Hi, my name is Tara Kachaturoff, and I'm the host of Michigan Entrepreneur, where we feature businesses from startup to stellar. Today, I have as my special guest, Ian Grant, who's the CEO and curator of Umoja Fine Arts. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you today because I love anything that involves art, and that's what you're all about. So before we get started on talking about Emoja Fine Arts and what you're doing with your business, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, um, I come from a marketing background where I market PR, and I've worked with various artists over the years, whether it's in the concert industry, um, in the artist industry, as far as painting. So to me, you know, artists are basically like a fruit in a basket. Some are apples, some are oranges. They're all pretty, could be finicky at times, but very, very professional. And I love them and um, very, very creative. That's what's very important, the creativity of artists and what they do for the world. And how is it that, I mean, I, I know you had mentioned a little bit about um, working in um, the concert industry. How is it that you ended up focusing on, um, art, you know, fine art? How did you get to this point of starting Umoja Fine Arts? Well, in the concert industry, it was mostly when I was in college, I was given major acts like Prince, Time, Vanity, oh, Luther, wow. on and on, the major acts. And um, the art industry, when I took a look at that, and I, I just loved it. And, and um, you know, they say that a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, this business was kind of like underdeveloped, and I wanted to get into a business where you could work with that business and kind of develop the business. And also in the music industry at that particular point in time, this is about 1984, um, videos were just starting to come out. And the music industry, believe it or not, at that particular point in time was starting to lose this edge a little bit. So I was saying to myself, I don't know if I want to be in the industry where, um, you know, it's starting to lose that edge a little bit. And um, so I went into the art industry, basically as a hobby and just something I loved and collecting. It started as a hobby. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, oh, I love always hearing like how people got into their businesses. So mm -hmm. what, what was the tipping point that took it from hobby to creating and having a gallery where you would feature other artists? Like what was that tipping point and how did you get started? Well, that took many, many years because, you know, as in this art industry, it, it's a lot of studying and you have to understand the mediums, you have to understand uh, the, the artists themselves. And basically I had moved to Philadelphia with a major corporation as a marketing consultant. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't know anyone. I lived up the street from a gallery. So I would always go in there and I would always talk to this artist and he would be painting and putting together lovely, beautiful paintings. And then he wanted to start having art shows, but he didn't understand how to market those shows, how to get people to come to the shows, how to get people to purchase at the shows and to purchase his products. So I started working with him from a marketing standpoint um, of putting him on the map. Um, in the Philadelphia market. And the East Coast at that particular point in time, back in the 80s, they were a little faster than the Midwest um, as far as education on art. They had a stronger knowledge of mm -hmm. art and of collecting art. 
So um, I started there with Lucian Crump and also bringing in other artists. And actually, after that, he had a good friend from New York that came down, one of the top artists in the industry right now uh, from the Renaissance time period. His name is Romar Beard. And so my first art show that I ever gave with him was the great Romar Beard. That's amazing. I can't believe like all these little things that led you like just visiting a gallery up the street and then combining like what you already knew to help him, you know, you know, with the marketing and stuff and then in, in, in creating an opportunity for both of you. It's always amazing to me to hear these kinds of stories. So um, a little bit about your background. Are you originally from Michigan and then you moved to Philadelphia and then you came back? Is that? Well, my background, it, it, it varies a little bit. First of all, I'm, I'm Jamaican. And so I, I came to this country um, with my mom and my family when I was around eight years old to Chicago. We moved to Chicago. I can remember mm -hmm entering this country at night and seeing all these beautiful lights and it was wow. Oh, wow. And I'll never forget that the dazzling. It was it was amazing. It was spectacular. So I grew up in Chicago when I was younger. And when my dad retired, I was in high school. So he wanted to leave the city. So we moved to the western part of Michigan to a small town, Cassopolis, Michigan. So I end up finishing my high school education and growing up there in Cassopolis, Michigan. From there, I became a Michigan State Spartan, and from, you know, being a Spartan, I was recruited, as I indicated, by a major corporation. Mm -hmm. I had about eight to ten offers um, of anywhere I wanted to go in the, excuse me, in the country because I came out of the College of Business at Michigan mm -hmm. State. And um, I chose um, this company that would start me out in Philadelphia. I see. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting just that your your journey as well. And that's interesting you're from Jamaica. Um and I also love hearing yeah, that man. what was like <laughs> you know, just hearing like what what first struck you was all the sparkling lights and that kind of is art in itself, you know what I mean? It's all yes. art is about light and the play of light. That's fascinating. So so now you have Moja Fine Arts a Gallery and where are you located? Well, we're located in Southfield, Michigan, in the mm -hmm. Crossroad Building, and that address is 16250 Northland Drive. We're in Suite 102, and that's directly across the highway from Northland, if you're familiar oh, yeah. with Northland Mall, mm -hmm. on the other side of the highway. Right now, they're building the new business Costco there, and they're rejuvenating that whole area. So we're very, very excited about what we see going on in that entire district. Yeah, that's great. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what Umoja means? What's the meaning of that word? Well, first of all, Umoja Swahili, okay? Mm -hmm. And it means unity. And um, when we started the business, we felt unity and unifying throughout the country, whether it was the artists or just working with other individuals was very, very important because we believe in what's called the death of competition. And... Um, just working together to try to build a business, unify the business, because in this art business, it's, it's all about education. And if we're all educating everyone, it's going to help everyone in the industry. And that's going to be very, very key and important. But the, the important thing I want you to understand that when Emotion Fine Arts first started in 1996, we were not a gallery. We were publishers and distributors of art. 
So we service galleries throughout the country. We service yes, African-American galleries around mm -hmm. four to 5,000 galleries where they would call Gosh. us. This is if you consider going into a gallery and you want to order some art and you maybe mm -hmm. look in a catalog book or they're showing you some pictures online on the computer, they will call us and we would ship that art into them. And um, we did that until around 2007, 2008, and things mm -hmm. changed a little bit. Um, first of all, I want to say the great Annie Lee, who was my mentor, um, she passed away in 2014. And um, thank you, Annie, and heavenly thank you to you. But um, she kind of put me on the map. She was one of the strongest artists in the country, a millionaire, of course. And she chose Umoja Fine Arts after I sat down and talked with her. She was from the Chicago area, Glendale. Mm -hmm. um, she gave us the opportunity to exclusively distribute her work throughout the country. Oh, wow. And so once we were given that opportunity and we were at all of the major shows across the country, the ABC shows were going on back then and different shows like that in Atlanta, New York, on and on and on. Um, this gave us the opportunity to meet a lot of artists that are now internationally acclaimed, world-renowned. Mm -hmm. And they felt at that particular point in time, if Annie Lee gave us the opportunity, you know, why shouldn't they give us the opportunity? Or what do these guys got going on special that mm -hmm. she would give them the opportunity to distribute her work when she was turning everyone down across the country? I guess I didn't actually realize that artists gave, like, distribution rights to particular organizations but it completely makes sense i mean because we do that in all industries but i never really thought about that in terms of the art and having like a a place where you have a singular distribution point but um yeah that's amazing that's amazing. yeah we sold from two points when we were yes. distributors we mm -hmm. sold as wholesalers mm -hmm. where you could come in and buy maybe three a minimum of three prints mm -hmm. um at that time and um, you would get 50% off. But if you purchase like 25 or 50, then we'll give you a distribution price. So instead of 50 off, we'll give you 50 less 50. So, um, yes, that's kind of like how the business operated. And it all started during the 80s pretty much with the shows like the Cosby shows, um, Different World, and um, helping the artists to get their art placed on these shows people would start seeing themselves in the oh. background, especially. Oh, wow. Them. I didn't realize that. So they were, so those were like paid placements and stuff. Um, yes, yeah, somewhat. And oh, that was wow. called the golden era. And that went on from the 1985 to about 2005. And so with these shows, you remember we had these explosions of shows going on. And, you know, as you know, not with, well, we had the Jefferson, but with oh, yeah. um, Good Times, mm -hmm. we just had Ernie Barnes, one of his paintings, just sold for um, $115 million at an auction. Oh, my gosh. And they only estimated it to sell at around maybe a million so there's still a lot of understanding that has to go on, a lot of education that has to go on for this market. Because even the auction houses don't realize how key and 
and, and the price points and Romar Bearden that I told you was one of the first mm -hmm. artists that I gave, mm -hmm. they constantly have his work at auction and think it's going to go for maybe 3 million, but it ended up going for 10 million, 15 or 20 oh my million. Gosh. We oh. are the fastest growing. African-American art is the fastest growing segment of the entire art world. And, um, you know, it's up to us to educate, the people and it's up to them to also invest because everyone around the country is investing in this marketplace and collecting from this marketplace and um you know we try to do as much community relation type programs mm -hmm. and things of that nature and educational processes to let people know about building generational wealth because when you first start collecting art the first thing you do is you collect what you like. That's very important that you collect what you like. Mm -hmm. And as you grow from there, then you start looking at the um, collection portions and building generational wealth and being able to leave the art behind. So the art market has shifted a little bit. Um, when we were distributors and publishers uh, in the business, we were basically publishing and distributing prints. So... Mm -hmm. After that, we moved into more of the original realm. So right, most of the art right. that we sell today are originals. How how do you go about curating them? How do you how did you come about like you know, I was looking through some of the people that you feature and um how do you how do you go about finding who to feature? Do they contact you? Do you contact them? How do you all connect? Well, it it it, it happens because you only people. have so a lot much of people space. To calling yeah. us now, but I, yeah. I want to tell you a story. I moved from Philadelphia to upstate New York. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, um, one of the first artists that I met up there that we became friends, I bought the original from him, an original painting. This is kind of like how it all started. So in Philadelphia, my uncle was a color separator. And so a color separator is a person who separate the colors, the blacks, the whites, the blues, the greens, and they put it all back together in order to make a print that we sold. So he understood the color separation process. But what he could not understand was the marketing part. How can you, and he would say this to me all the time, Ian, I don't understand. I did the same process to this artwork separating it, but you sell this one for $100 and you sell this other one for $1,000. How are you doing that? And I would tell him it's marketing. It's all about supply and demand and how you create the demand in the marketplace and how you position the artists in the marketplace. So he taught me the business of publishing, of um, printing, and I taught him the business of marketing. He eventually opened the gallery and I eventually opened the publishing company. So mm -hmm. we taught each other that. So I went to now, I was promoted up to New York on assignment, still with my corporation. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like doing this on the side, just had a love for it. I had an individual in Philadelphia. He was a millionaire. He loved art. He collected art. At the end of the year, he would have art events or art shows. And he would probably... Um, you know, donate all the proceeds from um, the art events to an organization of his choice. And I really liked that. You know, I said, one day I'm going to be a millionaire too. So I'm going to start collecting myself. So it started out with me just collecting, not even just collecting to put art on my wall. I was collecting to put art under my bed, you know, <laughs> in the 70s, 
asset slaves to maintain it because I felt like, hey, I'm going to be a millionaire one day, so I'm going to collect a lot of art so I could give it away also and be a philanthropist in the community. So to move forward, I moved to New York and I met this artist. I bought the original from him. And so um, he seemed very, very happy when I bought that original. And so we became friends and I saw him again and he wasn't smiling. I'm like, David, what's going on now? What's going on? I just bought the original painting from you. And he was like, well, I would love to get my work published. And I said, well, I think I know how to do that. So I helped him to get his work published and I financed it. And then when I saw him again, he still wasn't laughing. He still wasn't happy. I said, you need to be laughing. You need to be joyful. I bought this original from you. Then I financed for you to get the um, the prints published. He said, believe me, I'm laughing on the inside. I said, I'm not going for that. Now what's really, really going on? And he just said, you know what? All those prints that you published for me, I have not sold any. I don't know how to sell them. And that's when it all started, believe it or not. I said, okay, I'm going to put together a marketing plan oh, wow. for you. And mm -hmm. I'm going to show you how to sell this art and move this art across the country and create a distribution system. Because, you know, marketing is all about supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And so I created this distribution system for him. And basically the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> it was so easy, right? Just <laughs> Not even, right? It's the life not of an even, entrepreneur. Not, <laughs> not even. Um, the most important thing is you have to love what you do. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it, it, it takes time. And, and, and you have to learn the business and you have to study the business. And you have to get out there and you have to jump in with both feet. And you have to go to shows and you have to show your product line. And that's when I, I was talking about we went to these ABC shows and different things like that around the country so that you could be seen that people could know who you are and call you up or, 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 um, place orders. You know, what would happen pretty much is the retailers. Okay. Or a gallery, let's say per se would come to a spring show or fall show and they would do their spring buying in the spring for the fall because they would do all their purchasing and it would come in maybe in like July, August, and they would be getting ready for the September, October time period. Then they would do the same thing again in the winter and then they would do it in the spring to keep the business, you know, at an even flow. So they would purchase three or four times a year. And you need to be in these venues and you need to be at these events in order to sell your product line to the to um, to these galleries. So, you know, growing, growing your own um, business, what, what has been like one of your, the biggest things that you've learned that's made a difference in where you are today? Like what's a big lesson or an approach that you took with business that's helped you um, become the success that you are today? Well, I, I think you always got to keep your eyes open and you have to try to anticipate the marketplace and you have to try to anticipate the shift. You're going to make some mistakes. You can't be scared to do that because you learn from those. You have to say, what lessons did I learn from that mistake? Or what lessons did I learn from that opportunity? And do you for have us, like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you have leading indicators that maybe you even get a gut feel about that help you kind of predict where things are going? Is it coming? What? Are there hints from the music world? Are there hints from politics, society, like, are there leading indicators that you get a sense of, of where to go next? 
Well, the, the first leading indicator that we got that changed our business from being publishers and distributors to getting into the gallery world is that mm-hmm. we used to have four or 5,000 galleries, African-American galleries across the United States. And then in 2007, after the recession started, pretty much we went down to 300. So oh my, my business, as far as distributing to galleries now, was cut pretty much. Mm-hmm. So it was either we got out of the business or found a way to continue to, to, to maintain our strength in the business. And for us, we always had people come into Emotion Fine Arts simply because the artists had to come into our location mm-hmm. to sign their prints. I see. Oh, and yeah. Yes, they had to come in and sign their prints, whether from around the country or locally Are they literally or wherever. Signed, like originally signed? Like prints? Yes, are- they're originally wow. signed prints. Yeah. Okay. And then wow. we, we would number them and everything. So we're now talking about limited editions. Right. And again, the book, The Language of Fine Arts, you can get that book free on emojafinearts.com. That's U M O J A, fine, A R T S.com. You could download that book digitally. Um, free. So to get back to the story, the artists would always come in and sign. So people knew that, you know, and they started wanting to always come by Emoja just to be able to meet the artists. Yeah. They, knew they would be there yeah. on the weekend signing and taking pictures with them. Because yeah. The artists are the stars of the show. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool to be able to meet an, an artist. You know what I mean? It's, that's just not something that you can really do every day. Right. I mean, that's a, to me exactly. a tremendous opportunity and get to yes. talk to them about their inspiration and, you know, just, uh, I think it's fantastic. You talk to them about their inspiration. You talk to them about their style. Mm-hmm. Um, when you put your business together um, in this world, you want to say, hey, I want an artist that could produce for me realism, surrealism, abstract, landscape, on and on and on. All the I, was looking at one of, I was looking at one of the artists that you feature, um, abstract, love his work. I can't remember his name. I wrote it down. Marcel and- Stewart. Yeah, it was like unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, he has some tremendous work. It, it, it is it is great. They love his work and it's good and great in the corporate world too. So are they are a lot of these are, are these artists um some of them based in Michigan? Yes, yes. Um okay. a lot of our artists are based in Michigan and mm-hmm. um a strategy that we use that's different than a lot of other individuals in this marketplace is mm-hmm. um we believe in um, coupling a local artist with the international or the renowned artists and um, by strengthening them and mm-hmm. bringing them up to be around the renowned artists to learn the, the, the tricks and the trades, what they went through, yeah. how to market, how to understand their work, and basically how to grow into the marketplace. So that's very, very important. So when we give shows, usually we have a local artist because mm-hmm. especially in Detroit, um, yeah. Detroit's a marketplace that love their own. You know, it's just that's the bottom line. They love their own. Um, so and then we bring in the, the national artists to be able to bring in like the bigger collectors and the collectors are going to spend more funds and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. So um, how do you um, do you do anything with um, like Michigan schools and educating kids about art? Um, Or do you have it where like uh, 
schools can like come into the gallery and 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 learn about art from the African American perspective. What kinds of things um, have you done, or do you want to do in the future in that respect? Well, some of the things we do, like on Martin Luther King holiday, mm -hmm. when we do have the show and the artists are previewing different arts, mm -hmm. um, we have schools that come in like on a tour mm -hmm. during that particular point in time. And we give them, we set up a table and we give them the opportunity with the artists to be able to paint a piece that day. Oh, and then cool. the artist is, is, is able to work with them and, you know, help instruct them and they get to take that piece of art home and they're so excited about that and we oh. take photos and videos i'd be excited to do that i love that i love things like that oh my gosh that's so cool so um are there any particular types of art that you like to collect yourself and what 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 would those be as and there's a specific style that you like in terms of painting well i try to collect across the genre Mm -hmm. of the um the art pretty much you know i'm at a particular point in time now that i've been collecting over 30 years so of course i'm into developing for my family generational wealth so um i love abstract i love realism i believe in playing in all the different levels of the fields to be honest with you when i first started out it was pretty much basically realism mm -hmm. But now I'm collecting surrealism. Um, I'm looking at landscapes. I'm looking at the artist's names. Um, I'm looking at the artist's age in two perspectives. Um, you just talked about Marcel Stewart. He's a 32-year-old mm -hmm. artist. He's 32. joined our team yeah. three years ago, and his artwork was selling maybe for three or $400 based on the marketing input. Mm -hmm. And the things that we have helped to situate him around the country, his artwork is now selling between ten and fifteen thousand mm -hmm. dollars over three or four years. We that's also beautiful. have Rosemary Summers, that's a surrealist artist. And again, the same thing with her. When she came on the team, her her work was selling for three or four hundred dollars. Um, she's now selling in that eight, ten, fifteen thousand dollar range. It doesn't mean that they don't still sell, you know, some smaller originals for three or four or five thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. And um, so what we did with Rosemary and a lot of our other artists, we coupled them with internationally acclaimed artists so that they can get the recognition and people can see their work. But again, we have to feel that they have that strength mm -hmm. and that they have that ability because we asked them to go and create what is called deep in the belly, right? And pull out of them um, what happened and um in their lives and to create what we call belly art i'll give you a good quick example of marcel stewart abstract artist when he first came on um it was during the COVID time and some things were going on downtown and he basically um got jumped by the police was put in the paddy wagon for about 12 hours and he called me up and he just told me what happened and it wasn't his fault and i said well what do you want me to do you want me to get a lawyer he says no 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 i just want you to know what happened and i said now's the time i need you to go in the belly and i need you to put on canvas how you felt when they tackled you to the ground and then they threw you in the paddy wagon and you were in there for 12 hours i need you to put that on canvas right now and um that's what he did and from there he's been phenomenal with his work and um you know you have to look for these opportunities and you as a publisher 
And you have to look for these moments where you're going to help these artists bring out what's inside of them doing the right moments. So, you know, I guess you had to dream. And that's um, what it says behind you. Dreams. Yes, yes. you always have to dream. And you, you, you know, um, yeah, you have to try to live up to your dreams. So um, that's very, very key and important. So as we as we come to the end of our time, I know the time went by so quickly, and we've learned a lot about your uh, your background and and your journey, which is fascinating, and the art some of the artists that you feature. Um, if you could just give us one piece of advice, what would that be? If you wanted to share one piece of advice with entrepreneurs from your well, that advice would be do what you love because mm -hmm. that's very very important because the finances are going to come. And they're, they're going to go. But if you do what you love, you never think about the finances because you don't think you're working. You just know that you're having fun and you're having a wonderful time. And so yeah. you have to do what you love and also study the business before you get into it in the marketplace. And mm -hmm. you have to play in the social media realm. I don't care. After COVID now, I don't care what level you are on as a star. I don't care if you're worth a billion dollars. You <laughs> them all. Everybody has to be in this social media realm now. We do. So we do. You have to understand that. All right. Well, Ian Grant, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today on Michigan Entrepreneur. This, we've been speaking with Ian Grant, CEO and curator of Umoja Fine Arts. Thank you so much for being a guest on our program. If you'd like more information about us, please visit us at www.michigananentrepreneurtv.com. Please join us again in the future when I interview another enterprising entrepreneur. Until then, wishing you the best of business. Thank you.